0: This is AFF On Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast, bringing you the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers.
1: G'day, welcome to episode 14 of AFF On Air. It is Saturday the 29th of June 2019 and I'm your host, Matt Graham. On Thursday of last week, Qantas announced a raft of changes to its Frequent Flyer program, which it described as the biggest overhaul to its Frequent Flyer program in its 32-year history. So what's changing, and what does this all mean for frequent flyers? In this episode, I chat to Mark Ross-Smith, who's the former Head of Loyalty with another One World Frequent Flyer program, Malaysia Airlines and Rich, to get his thoughts and analysis of the changes. But before we get on to that, it's time now for a quick recap of the other news on Australian Frequent Flyer this fortnight. Firstly, Qatar Airways has been named the world's best airline in the 2019 Skytrax Awards. Singapore Airlines was number 2, followed by ANA, Cathay Pacific, Emirates, Eva Air and Hainan Airlines. Qantas came in at number 8. Singapore Airlines took out the title for the world's best cabin crew, while Philippine Airlines won the most improved. The Qantas Group has ordered 36 new Airbus A321 extra-long-range aircraft at the Paris Airshow. The narrow-body aircraft will be capable of operating routes like Melbourne, Singapore and Cairns to Tokyo. The planes will be delivered from 2024, and Qantas has not yet revealed whether the planes will be for Qantas, Jetstar or a combination of both of the airlines. Westpac has launched a new Altitude Velocity Rewards program, which will replace Velocity auto-redemptions. The program is available an opt-in basis to Westpac Altitude cardholders alongside the existing Altitude Qantas Rewards program. It will cost $50 per year to opt-in to Altitude rewards, and once opted in, your Altitude points will be automatically converted to Velocity points. You'll also receive two complimentary Economy X upgrades each year on Virgin Australian flights. And if you have an Altitude Black card, you'll receive two annual Virgin Lounge passes in lieu of the usual Priority Pass benefit for Altitude card holders. As a result of these changes, Velocity Auto Redemption will be discontinued from the 2nd of August this year. Fiji Airways will cancel its Adelaide service from the 20th of July. The Adelaide to Nadi route has been served twice per week since 2017 using Boeing 737s. Passengers on cancelled Fiji Airways flights are being offered alternative routings via Melbourne. Virgin Australia's long-haul flights to Los Angeles have been majorly disrupted over the past fortnight after one of the airline's five Boeing 777 aircraft went out of service. The plane has been ferried to Victorville for mechanical repairs, but in the meantime many Virgin Australia flights across the Pacific have had to be cancelled or retimed, as Virgin works to clear the backlog of passengers. And it's now your last chance to redeem Qantas points or Cathay Pacific Asia miles for Aer Lingus flights. The Irish carrier will tomorrow end its partnership with both Qantas and Cathay Pacific. But Aer Lingus did recently add a new partner in Alaska Airlines. So although you can no longer from tomorrow redeem uh, Qantas points or Cathay Pacific Asia miles for Aer Lingus flights, you can now redeem Alaska Airlines mileage plan miles for Aer Lingus flights within Europe or across the Atlantic. That's what's making news this fortnight. For regular news, updates and deals, make sure you subscribed to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette or follow us on Facebook. Well, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, Qantas last week announced quite a a range of changes to its Frequent Flyer program. And this, of course, is something that interests most Australian travellers because almost every um, Australian traveller is a member of the Qantas Frequent Flyer program. And in fact, almost half of the Australian population is a member of the Qantas Frequent Flyer program. And there's been a, a few different areas of the program that are being changed here. So, one of the areas that has changed is Classic Flight Reward and Upgrade Pricing. Qantas announced that, and in fact it has already implemented this, it will reduce the number of points required for an economy class Classic Flight Reward Redemption, and in addition, it's going to reduce carrier charges on Classic Flight Reward Redemption. So, the carrier charges, remember, are the Qantas-imposed surcharges that you need to pay when redeeming points, in addition to the genuine government and airport taxes, Although economy redemptions are, have gone down in price, Qantas will on the 18th of September increase the number of points required for award bookings in premium economy, business or first class, and it will also increase the number of points required to get an upgrade on Qantas flights. And the increases in uh, premium cabin awards don't just apply to flights on Qantas aircraft, they also apply to uh, award tickets on Qantas partner airlines, including One World Partners and Emirates. So the changes are quite wide reaching. Now to compensate for this, Qantas has promised that it's going to introduce more award availability on its flights. Whether this actually happens remains to be seen. Uh, One of the rather positive uh, announcements with these changes is that you're now going to be able to redeem Qantas points, or very soon anyway, for flights on selected routes with Air New Zealand, Air France, KLM, and Bangkok Airways. Now, Qantas code shares with each of these airlines on various different routes. Uh, With Air New Zealand, the code shares are on domestic New Zealand flights. Uh, With Air France and KLM, the code shares are between Asia and Europe. And with Bangkok Airways, it's flights within Thailand and Southeast Asia. So on those routes where Qantas code shares with those airlines, you will very soon be able to redeem your points to fly with those airlines, which is undoubtedly a positive step. Now, as well, Qantas has um, made some changes to pricing of the One World Awards. So you may be familiar with the Qantas One World Award or the One World Multi-Carrier Redemption. But if you're not, uh, it's basically it allows you to travel around the world with up to five stopovers. And the pricing for that award uh, in economy will actually go down slightly, so you'll need fewer points to book one of those in economy. But for premium economy business and first class, they will become more expensive. And just to give you an example, it's currently 280,000 Qantas points to book a One World Award in business class. Um, From the 18th of September, when the price rise comes into effect, it's going to be 318,000 Qantas points. So, you know, a reasonably significant increase in price there. Now, a couple of other changes that were announced. Qantas will be introducing lifetime platinum status in September. Now, this is something that frequent flyers have been asking for for a long time, but Qantas has made the target quite high at uh, you'd need to earn 75,000 status credits in your lifetime in order to earn that lifetime platinum status. And in addition to that, Qantas says that it will introduce a new points club later in the year, which is going to reward people for earning frequent flyer points on the ground. So it's, it's going to take the program a little bit away from being a frequent flyer program and into being, a, I guess, more of a frequent buyer program, risk rewarding those who are spending money and earning quarters points from things other than flying. So it's, it's an interesting new direction for the program. That's just a summary of the changes. If you'd like to get a full overview of what's changing in, in more detail, there is an article on the Australian Frequent Flyer website, and I've linked to it in the episode notes. It's called Qantas Frequent Flyer Changes What You Need to Know. And there's a full list of what's changing and some more detail there. I'm going to take a quick break now, but after the break, I'm going to be joined, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, by Mark Ross-Smith, who was the head of loyalty at Malaysia Airlines and Rich. I'm quite interested to hear his insights as someone who has run a loyalty program into why Qantas is doing what they're doing, what's in it for Qantas, what's in it for the customers, and uh, yeah, what does this all mean for you as a frequent flyer. Stay tuned, and I'll be back with that interview after the break. While I'm taking a quick break, I wanted to let you know about a webinar that's coming up on our sister website, Frequent Flyer Solutions. Some of you may know already that I host eight webinars per year on Frequent Flyer Solutions about a range of topics that are of interest to frequent flyers. The next webinar will be this coming Monday, the 1st of July, and the webinar is going to be all about status challenges. So uh, with a status challenge, you're able to leverage your existing status to... Get a, a really easy shortcut to getting status with another airline or another alliance, which is obviously something that can be quite handy. It's even possible using, for example, the American Airlines Status Challenge to fast track your way to elite airline status where you get benefits like lounge access, priority check-in, priority boarding, things like that. Even uh, if you don't already have status with an airline. So with the American Airlines Status Challenge, for example, you just pay a small fee and then you have to earn a certain number of miles on um, American Airlines or partner airline flights. And then you'll get to keep your advantage status until... January 2021, if you were to start a challenge now. If you'd like to learn more about status challenges, I would encourage you to come along to the webinar on Monday. It's called How to Earn Top-Tier Airline Status Using Status Challenges, and it will be at 8pm Sydney and Melbourne time. And do note that to attend this or any other Frequent flyer Solutions webinar, you do need to register in advance. In the webinar, I'll explain how to take advantage of status challenges with nine different airlines, including Qantas and Virgin Australia, and you'll also have the opportunity to ask me questions. If you'd like any more information, head over to frequentflyer.com.au and click on the webinars link, or there's also a link to more information about this webinar in the episode notes. Joining me now to discuss the Qantas frequent flyer changes is Mark Ross Smith, who you may know on AFF by his handle of Troop in the Rift. and he's the former head of loyalty at Malaysia Airlines and Rich. Welcome to the podcast, Mark.
0: Thanks, Pat. Great to be here. So Qantas hyped
1: these changes by promising and I quote the biggest overhaul to its frequent flyer program in its 32 year history. Do you think, Mark, that they've delivered on this and what do you make overall of these changes?
0: Wow. Okay. So I believe that Qantas think this is their biggest change uh, in history. Uh, I think we look back to their 2014 changes, That I think this had more material impact on members and definitely members that were earning status because this affected the status credits you're earning and the points that you were earning, especially on partner carriers. So I think from a frequent flyer perspective, the last round of changes definitely had a much bigger impact overall. However, the 2019 changes, I believe it's a, it's a test, because the headline number is, Qantas is saying there's, there'll be a million more reward seats on Qantas for Qantas frequent flyers. And realistically, there's no way for frequent flyers to verify this, right? So the test will be in 12 months from now, as a member, when you're searching for a flight, maybe you've been searching every month and there wasn't a flight available, and suddenly there's this program change, and now you can see seats available. So I think if members can actually see that seats are available now versus prior to uh, the implementation of this program change, I think then, looking back, yes, it probably is a big overhaul for the frequent flyers.
1: Yeah, and the 2014 changes that you're referring to are those infamous simpler and fairer changes when the program was made neither simpler nor fairer. Some, some of our listeners will probably remember that quite well. Um, now, I want to talk about the, uh, the changes themselves. And there was a few sort of uh, key uh, changes announced here. One of them was that Qantas is going to make, as you said, more reward seats available, supposedly. Um, but also, they're going to be changing pricing of award seats. So, the carrier charges are going to be lower and they're going to reduce the uh, number of points required for economy awards. But also, they're going to increase the number of points for premium cabin redemptions and upgrades. Why do you think Qantas is doing this?
0: Uh, this is a 25 million dollar question <laughs> so let's start with uh let's start with uh extra inventory on qantas flight so qantas is not adding two extra rows to every aircraft to to accommodate extra seats right so this extra inventory has got to come from somewhere it just doesn't it's got to come from somewhere that already exists today so and again this is just sort of reading between the lines. Perhaps. Uh, the Frequent Flyer Program is investing in buying more seats from the airline because, remember, the loyalty company is, is a separate company to the airline, so they can they can have commercial arrangements between them. So perhaps uh, they are buying more inventory from the airline, so maybe they're buying uh, or putting more revenue towards uh, the sort of the cheap seats, the N or the O-class seats, so they'll be less available in the N or O-class and putting those into X-class, which is the – redemption class for economy seats and what this means is yes there would be more economy seats available which is great for members this is all speculation mind you if they if they did that what it does mean is there's more pressure on cash fares so when you're searching for a flight and you want you want to pay cash for that economy ticket so you're not looking to burn your points on this flight what it means is there potentially could be less uh, of these deep discount economy fares available so instead of for example 50 $100 seats available on a flight, suddenly there's only 40 $100 seats available on the flight. And these will just sell out faster, which means there's a point where when you go search for a flight, instead of seeing $100 for a ticket, it's now $120 because that low fare bucket is is taken up by being moved into the award inventory. So overall, it it could have have a beneficial impact on the airline where the one of the metrics is called RAS, which is the revenue per available seat kilometer, actually increases for the whole airline. So it actually could be a profitable endeavour for the group as a whole and good for for members. And, and, And there's a lot of ifs in this, but if this is the case, it also means that some people may pay more for a cash ticket on Qantas.
1: Qantas is also reducing the carrier charges. That's one of the announcements there. Um, Do you think, uh, because the carrier charges have been kind of a pain point for frequent flyers for years, you know, when you go to redeem your points and then suddenly they want $1,000 in taxes and charges for your, you know, first class ticket from London to Sydney. So those are going to be reduced. Do you think that's a good thing for, obviously it's good for customers, but do you think that's good for the airline as well?
0: Yeah, I think the airline needed to do this. So uh, if you compare Qantas carries and taxes versus other airlines you compare it versus Singapore Airlines, Cafe, American, British Airways, Malaysia Airlines, Qantas is really up there. They're really quite expensive. And you know, if you if you're saving your points for two, three, five, ten years to really get that business class redemption to London you've always dreamed of with your family, and you go to book the ticket and you know it's say a million points plus four thousand dollars in additional charges. I mean it's a bit of a, a heavy hit to take when you've been saving up for so long to get that free flight. So by clawing back on the carrier charges, I think it brings Qantas more in line with other airlines. Like we saw Singapore, uh, so Singapore and KrisFlyer last year reduced their carrier charges as well. And this went out really well with members. So basically members see it more as a, as a reward and not so much as a burden when they go to redeem their points.
1: Mm. And you mentioned a uh they know that there's going to be a million extra seats, so that Qantas promised there would be a million extra reward seats made available per year. They announced uh, last week that they're going to be opening up award redemptions on selected routes on Air New Zealand, uh, KLM, Air France, and Bangkok Airways. Do you think that most of those extra seats are just purely coming from those those partner rewards rather than on Qantas Metal?
0: Very likely. Um, I mean, this is, these are great improvements for members. It means that when you're searching online, there is – more available flights that you can use to, to redeem your points. And, of course, Qantas Loyalty as its own business entity, they only recognize the revenue from points in the program when you redeem and utilize those miles. So they have a real need for you to want to actually use your, sorry, points, use your points on on, on tickets, right? Um, the downside here is when they add Air New Zealand, I think it's KLM, Air France in there as well, these are generally bilateral agreements. So what that means is, KLM's putting their inventory into the Qantas booking portal, but also Qantas is putting their inventory into the KLM portal. So what this means is, you've got suddenly you've got KLM Air France flying blue members and and New Zealand members having access to Qantas award seats. And if you look at how big these other programs are, there's more than 100 million members there. So suddenly there's there's actually more competition. For Qantas Award inventory, so this this will put some pressure on Qantas members to you know re- really get in there quickly if you want that seat. Just because there's more people looking up their seats. So remember, Qantas only has 12.7 million members. So if you add another 100 million members in there, you know you do the math. It's the, yes, there's more seats, but the chances of you getting that seat may go down.
1: Yeah, and I guess that this would probably only impact um, the routes. Like, for example, with the Flying Blue program, KLM and Air France only code share with Qantas on the flights between Singapore and Australia and Hong Kong and Australia. So I guess on those routes, uh, those flights are going to be made available to members. Just like at the moment, because Air Carlin, the um, airline from New Caledonia, uses Flying Blue and they code share with Qantas on flights between Numea and Australia. So you can already redeem Flying Blue miles for those routes. So I guess that'll be... The same here but still as you say it could definitely put more pressure on on the routes where where there is that code share overlap qantas also changed the number of points required not only for award seats on qantas but also on partner airlines uh why why do you think they might have
0: done that yeah this is really interesting so to i mean to to understand the, we need to look at airline economics here right so when you search for a flight on the qantas portal say sydney to hong kong and you see a cafe seat available in business class uh, in, in the and you book that flight. in the background, what's happening? Qantas is, is buying that seat off Cathay. Right? And it's is it's, it's certain amount there's commercials behind that but they're, they're basically buying a seat. And there's a lot of commercials that dictate the prices for these airlines. So for example, maybe Qantas wants sorry Cathay wants Qantas to sell more seats through that portal. So maybe they're putting commercial deals in place where, hey Qantas, you know if you sell above this many seats, then we'll give you this better price. If you don't sell that many, we'll charge you more. So that puts uh, upward price pressure on Qantas to be able to deliver uh, in, in order to get that price breaks from the airlines. Uh, additionally, you look at things like uh, Cathay is not going to charge Qantas in Australian dollars; they'll charge in probably Hong Kong dollars or US dollars. And Hong Kong dollars pegged to the US dollar anyway. So if if this volatility in the in the currency that's really going to affect Qantas quite a lot. You know, if there's a 10% change in currency, that's a 10% here Qantas is taking on every redemption. And it could get to a point where Qantas actually loses money on redemption. And so, I mean, these things need to be adjusted up, and airlines all around the world are under pressure to 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 make more money. So, look, if if the demand is there from members and the seats are being all snapped up, it makes sense to increase the price. Because if we look at this point now, there has never been more frequent flyer points in existence in human history than right now today, which means more people have those points to be able to fund uh, higher redemption rates on both Qantas and, and on partner carriers. So I think Qantas is fully justified in increasing these, these prices purely based on what they know about their members.
1: The internal pricing that uh, the airlines pay for each other for frequent flyer redemption, like quite that fi- I find that quite fascinating. Um, There was some speculation in the days before the changes were announced that Qantas might move over to a full dynamic or revenue-based program. Um, They didn't. Why do you think that might have been the case?
0: Yeah, I think there's two trains of thought here in the airline world. One is there is this shift to dynamic pricing, and one that there is no shift. And there is definitely no global movement to move to dynamic pricing, even though uh, the two big US airlines now are sort of leading this non-trend look corners does have dynamic pricing to a large degree already if you go through the booking portal and and book a a ticket and sort of pay with cash and card there is a tab that says pay with points and that amount uh, is 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 loosely translated the number of points required is loosely translated into uh, the cost of that ticket at the time so you could argue that they already are dynamic through a different booking path um, if you look at other airlines around the world that have gone dynamic, they all have really unique positioning in their market. And uh, New Zealand with airpoints is probably a good example. They've got pretty good domination on New Zealand market, so they can really get away with it. U.S. market, it's, it's a very mature market. There's tons and tons of miles in existence and there's a lot of pressure on airlines to open up more availability. Uh, they're filling their aircraft. They've got high yield on the aircraft, so they can kind of get away with some of this. Uh, could that work in Australia? A, AK could quote remove classic awards, I think it would probably hurt the business purely based on the market dynamics in Australia. So I think it's a good thing that they didn't move in that direction. And I mean, ultimately, it's a good thing for members.
1: I tend to agree. Yeah, the coverage that these changes got was in in the mainstream media anyway, was largely positive. And I think if they had have gone down the dynamic pricing path, it would have been a completely different story. One of the other changes that they announced or actually something new that they launched In the changes last week was lifetime platinum status. Now lifetime silver. To earn lifetime silver on Qantas, you need to earn seven thousand lifetime status credits. For lifetime gold, it's fourteen thousand status credits. They set the target for lifetime platinum at seventy-five thousand, which is more than five times what you need for lifetime gold. Why would Qantas set it so high?
0: Well, I'm sure Alan Joyce goes a lot of dinner parties and he's asked about this all the time. He's probably sick of people asking him. So. They said at such high amount, I'm, I'm kidding, that wouldn't be the reason. Look, in, in all seriousness, there's a lot of science behind creating a new tier. Uh, I've just wrapped up work, working with another airline to create a new tier for them. And, and to do that, you really need to understand the profile, of the customer that would be in that tier, the propensity for that customer to spend more to get into that tier, the effect on uh, any upcoming new routes in the network. So, Qantas is you know, launching Chicago soon. So, that's actually going to play, that's actually going to impact where you could set a tier at uh, to some degree. You need to look at um, the partner network, uh, co chair network, uh, any uh, alliance policies or regulations that need to be adhered to in with when creating a new status level. You look at the cost-benefit analysis, the revenue protection mechanics, um, like are you, you going to lose members by not having that tier or when it is in that place at this level, will you lose people there? So you want to be able to keep those people and it's about protecting the revenue for the airline. Uh, market dynamics, competitive environment, like other airlines launching tiers in that level, where are they set out? what type of customers are they looking at? So, I mean, there's a lot of – this is part science, data science, and part art to really place where – where that new tier is going to be. And, you know, Qantas has a lot of smart people there, so I'm sure they did their homework uh, before setting it at 75,000. But, but, you know, the important piece of this is this. Loyalty programs need to point members first in order to be successful. So if we look at the 75,000 target and what type of members this is going to appeal to, right, realistically it's people that are already on between say forty thousand to seventy thousand status credits. This is probably the the, the market they're, that they're aiming, and the number of people in the, in that zone is probably really 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 small. This would be the top you know zero point zero zero one percent of frequent flyers. Admittedly, they do spend a lot though. So if we look at loyalty program as a mechanism to drive behavior of members, the people in that 40,000 to 70,000 status credit range, these people are most likely have 100% of their share of wall or share of flights already crediting to Qantas because if you've got that many status credits, you're flying a lot and you really can't afford to split half your business with Qantas and the other half with Singapore Airlines because you just wouldn't, most likely most people, wouldn't be at that level if you were splitting your business. So how much more business can Qantas Realistically, expect to extract out of these people who are already at the top end. Their ability to spend up into that tier is greatly reduced. So there's going to be none or very little behavioral change from these people. Whereas, for example, if we look at Lifetime Gold, which is at 14,000, the number of people that have hit that 14,000 and have now you know I mean, they've got nowhere to go right now before this lifetime platinum change there was nothing to really to really aim for aside from earning platinum and platinum one status every year so now that this 75000 status credit line has been put way way ahead of them that that yardstick is so far away that i think we'll see a bunch of people in that sort of maybe 10000 to 30000 status credit range that may disengage with the program entirely at that point. Because, and that group of people between, say, the 10 and the 30,000 is a much larger group than from the uh, sort of 40,000, 50,000 up to 60, 70,000 status credits. So that lower group who that would be lifetime platinum is the next thing that they could look forward to getting is now out of reach, and the chances of them disengaging with the Qantas program because the, the bar it's, it's so far away, they're, they're never going to get there. So I think the, that is a bit of a risk for Qantas. And, and I mean, I hope it pays off for Qantas because you know, there's a lot of smart people there. They've done their homework. So there's got to be some logic behind it. But like you rightly mentioned, it is, it is a lot. And talking to a friend earlier, if you had earned and maintained platinum status from day one of the Qantas program 32 years ago, and you'd earned your 1,200 status credits every year up until now, you still wouldn't be halfway to lifetime platinum.
1: I tend to agree because I mean the whole point of introducing lifetime platinum is to keep people engaged after lifetime gold, you know, keep them aiming for something. And it's just as you say, it's so it's so, the target is so high that people are just going to switch off. It's going to, in fact, it's probably going to have the opposite of the desired effect, which is a, it's it's a shame really. Uh, now you wrote an article in Travel Data Daily, your website. Uh, about these changes, and it's called Under the Hood, What the Qantas Frequent Flyer Changes Really Mean for Members. And I just want to read out an excerpt from that article, which I found particularly interesting. It said, 75,000 is so high that any Qantas member who wants lifetime Emerald and has under 40,000 status credits is better off stopping all frequent flyer earn on Qantas. Instead, start from zero with British Airways Executive Club and you'll earn lifetime Emerald faster by crediting to BA and then, uh, than having continued from 40,000 to 75,000 status credits on Qantas. Um, so with that, that's uh, that's really interesting. And with that in mind, do you think anyone will um, actually aim for lifetime platinum on Qantas if they're below that that forty thousand status credit level, which I'm sure almost all of the members are at this point?
0: You know, I read in the the AF thread this week, um, someone posted if you did a double status credits run, I think it was. I want to say 200 times, I can't remember the exact number, 200 times to, to, to Mia, then you'd hit Lifetime Platinum. It costs you $157,000 and probably 60 days of your life. Um, you know what? There'll be someone that goes for it. I don't doubt it. And I hope they make a video about it and put it on YouTube because I will watch that. Um, in seriousness, look, there'll be a bunch of people that are close to it and it, it will move the needle. If They will aim to get across the line. Uh, how much, If those people were going to spend that money on Qantas anyway without having lifetime platinum in it, that's the big question.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think this criticism has come as a surprise to Qantas?
0: You know what? they? No, I, I don't think so. I think they expected that change. Every time we make a program change, it's not for everyone. Not everyone generally wins. Uh, I think creating a tier so far out there that um, it, it almost shuts people up from asking about it. Uh, it puts it puts a line of sand and says, if you want Lifetime Platinum, here it is. Go get it. We dare you. That's
1: true. And I mean, Lifetime Platinum for years has been one of the most requested um, new features of the program. So I guess, well, I guess they've given it to us now for better or for, or for worse, possibly worse. <laughs> um, now, Qantas also um, mentioned in the changes that they're going to introduce a points club, which is a, a brand new concept. Now, Qantas hasn't really given much information yet about this other than to say that it's going to launch later in the year and it's going to offer rewards to members for earning points from non-flight activity. And I think they gave an example that there's, there's going to be two kind of status tiers in this points club and with the first one being earned, I think it was around if, the, if someone earns 150,000 Qantas points on the ground in a year and there's going to be certain benefits that come with that. What is the rationale for launching something like this?
0: Yeah, look, I think it's a good idea. There, Alan Joyce said in the media event that I think 60 or 70 percent of all Qantas points are earned from non-flying activity. So to be able to reward uh, Qantas members that are not necessarily frequent flyers, but they still they're still quite valuable to the program, to reward them in a meaningful way on the ground is is really important because you can remember Qantas as a frequent flyer program. If you've got status with the airline, from the moment you hit the airport, you're treated really well. You've got priority check-in. Priority, priority. Uh, you got lounge access. You've got priority boarding. Sometimes you've got better seat selection. You've got you've got all these great things from the airport and the air experience. But prior to that and after that, there's really not a lot there. So I think introducing something that can reward people outside that airport airline ecosystem is really really important. And like he, what it, it did, they're a bit light on details right now. But if if it is the case of, for example, earn. 150,000 points hit this this ground tier and maybe you get a couple of lounge vouchers for next time that you fly because you're not a gold status anyway so you're not going to go into the lounge give them some lounge vouchers which is great because from an airline perspective that locks that person into flying qantas next time because when you go you know what i need to go to singapore do i fly singapore airlines do i fly qantas i've got two qantas lounge vouchers therefore that's worth something to me and i'll fly qantas so in some ways, a scenario like that could drive more ticket revenue for Qantas as well, which locks people into their Qantas loyalty platform, which is, is great for them and it's great for the member. It's great for the loyalty program. So overall, overall, I'd like to I mean, we'll wait to see more details come out over the coming months, but I think it's a really positive move and I'm, I'm glad Qantas is moving in this direction.
1: Mm, I think, and yeah, last week Alan Joyce mentioned in in the press conference that I think it was something like one third of credit card transactions made in Australia are done on Qantas Point earning credit cards, which is a staggering figure. And so I guess that this is one way that they can cement and even grow the uh, amount of Qantas points earned from non-flight activity, which of course is is you know uber profitable for them. So it it is an interesting concept. I think it'll be interesting to see the details. Are you aware of any other airlines that um, as part of their frequent flyer programs have anything like
0: this? Uh, there's a few different things around the world that are interesting. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of the S7 program. They're sort of rushing out and they're part That's of one That's interesting one. They've got, I, I, think that, I think it's three or four tiers they have between like the base level, so the equivalent of Qantas bronze and silver. In between that, they have a, I think three or four tiers within that. They're like, it's like a bronze minus and a bronze minus it's, it's obviously called something else but i think that's really fascinating because that it, it rewards people as they begin to fly so you do a couple of flights and you get something as opposed to gee from bronze to silver is still you know another two three hundred status credits away so i like how they're approaching it and different markets different airlines right so i think for australia i think this is a really strong move for qantas and i think I think what we're actually going to the good thing here is members are going to win because Velocity obviously has to come up with their own version of this, and that means consumers win, which I'm a big fan of.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Do you think Velocity will copy this?
0: Well, they have to, right?
1: I mean, yeah, I guess they they do copy Qantas uh, (laughs) in a lot of other areas, Um, and I mean, there's some speculation now that they'll even copy Lifetime Status, which would I I think would be quite a positive thing. Um, Yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do there. And last year, Qantas made a record, uh, it was a $372 million profit just in the Qantas Frequent Flyer program. And the Qantas Frequent Flyer program has regularly been more profitable than even Qantas's actual core flying business. Do you think uh, the program will continue to be a gold mine in years to come, or with these kind of changes, is Qantas going to eventually destroy its golden goose?
0: Yeah, look if we look at other, look at North America, it's a great example of this, where it's routinely quoted by the analysts that the loyalty program is worth more than the airline itself. And if they split out their loyalty program, how could they, you know, list two companies at the same time to to in, increase the the group value enterprise enterprise value? Um, it's definitely an important part for Qantas. I think if we take a step back and look, what underpins the profitability here? It's the relationships with third parties, with banks, and you know, like you said. 30% of transactions in Australia have a corner logo on the, on the corner of the card. This is a huge part of their business, right? And that funding from those points is underpinned by, by interchange in Australia, which the you know, RBA has been sort of regulated down over the last couple of years. So, look, they're going to regulate it down further and further. And what that means for cardholders is banks have less revenue to award points for your transaction, so one or two things happen. Either Qantas has to lower the cost of points to banks, which is not going to happen. Second thing is they have to, the banks will just give less points, which is what we've seen over about the last 10, 15 years in Australia, we've slowly seen banks offering less and less points. It used to be $1 is one point. Now we're seeing, you know, if you get half a point per dollar, you're not doing too badly. So that's really what drives the economics behind the points earning from the business side of Qantas. Loyalty, the business. Bigger opportunity I see for Qantas is looking outside Australia. Because, I mean, let's face it, they dominate Australia. They do very, very well. And in other countries, they don't do so well. I mean, I'm based in Asia, and I see Jetstar Asia everywhere around here. And in, in Southeast Asia especially, there's a lot of low-cost airlines. There's realistically only one of them that has a loyalty program, and it's pretty average at best. I think the opportunity and the next golden goose for Qantas is outside Australia. Because, I mean, how much more revenue can they really extract from a market that is saturation already, right? They, they really need to explore new opportunities outside their own country and look to where the money is. And since Qantas loyalty derives a lot of the revenue from interchange from banks, why not look at other countries that have no interchange regulations? Singapore, Hong Kong, good example. Uh, where there's, there's a lot of cash around there still and Qantas can leverage off an existing brand that they have in that region to drive new revenue streams. So if I was Qantas, I'd be, I'd be looking outside Australia. I think it's about time they started to really look at how they can position their already strong brand in Australia and replicate that in other countries where there is more headspace to sort of grow the, the revenue base.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, and I mean, the probably the country with the with the best credit card market from a consumer's point of view is the United States. And Qantas, I think, just a couple of weeks ago, has uh, uh, made itself a transfer partner of American Express in the USA, which uh, makes the program more accessible to Americans. And yeah, as you say, it could be could be quite interesting if they decide to expand in, for example, in Southeast Asia as well. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting times ahead for sure. And finally, Mark. What change would you like to have seen Qantas announce last week? Before the, the changes were announced, there was, of course, a lot of speculation and people sort of uh, writing their own wish lists. What's, what's the one thing that you think they should have done?
0: So, as you know, I'm, I'm a Qantas Lifetime Gold member myself. I've been Platinum One for, for a few years as well. I, I, I'm invested as a member in the Qantas program just as much as I am in the industry of loyalty. So, I have two perspectives here. So, as a member... The number one thing I wish Qantas would do, Qantas, if you're listening, please do this next time. I'd li- if you're Qantas, if you're lifetime gold, I'd like to start the year off with 600 status credits because right now I start the year off with zero status credits. To get the platinum, I need my 1,400 status credits. And it doesn't matter if I fly, I do zero flights. I'm still gold every year, right? So if you start me at 600, there's more ch- there's a higher chance that I will go for platinum in to and it's going to extract more spend out of me so that that's what I wish they would do. I wish they would give lifetime gold 600 status credits, running start every membership year.
1: That's a very valid point. It actually makes total sense. I think for me, the one thing I think they should have done is offered or well, started to offer guaranteed upgrades on international flights because at the moment uh, when you on want to upgrade on an international flight using Corners Points, it's a pure lottery and you don't find out if you've got the upgrade until you know a few days before the flight. And so, the, and not only are upgrades expensive, but the entire process is quite unappealing, I think, as a result. So if they had have done that, I think it would have been nice. And, uh, and while it's not a program change, I also think they should have um, announced they're going to open a new call center because um you know you can have the you can have the best program in the world but i mean i had a client with award flight assist last week uh he wanted to book you know a one world award using his Qantas points uh, he had the points we'd found him uh, seats on the flights that he wanted and then when he tried to make the booking he called up waited for two and a half hours on hold and then ended up speaking to someone in cape town who couldn't help them and it's just it's that kind of thing it's so frustrating for members when they actually <laughs> want to redeem their points so that would have been nice, but I guess, um, you know, you can't have everything in life. Now, if there's a program feature that you think Qantas should have announced, please let me know in the AFF on-air discussion thread. It's, it's uh, quite interesting to listen to um, all the different ideas out there, and uh, you, nev- you never know, someone at Qantas might read them one day. Now, Mark, where can people find you if they want to read more of your stuff or find out more about you?
0: Yeah, look, I'm pretty active on Australian Freak and Flyer. I'm tripping the rift on now Hopefully a bunch of you read some of my insights there. I have a blog, TravelDataDaily.com, where I publish. It's, it's really an industry blog. It's not for end consumers. It's it's sort of shining a light on what's happening in the loyalty industry, how airlines make money from data, how they commercialize things. Uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting read. Uh, otherwise, I'm also part of NewWorldLoyalty.com, which is a loyalty consulting firm with uh, airlines, hotels. Um, yeah.
1: Well, Mark Ross-Smith, thanks very much for your insights and thanks for coming on to the podcast.
0: Thanks, Matt. It's been great.
1: That's it for another episode of AFF On Air. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes where you'll also find a link to an AFF thread where you can ask me a question or discuss anything about the podcast. Thanks a lot to everyone that's been sending in the questions. I'm sorry I didn't get time to answer any in this episode, but I will and aim to answer some of these in the next episode. If you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't already, please do subscribe. And you'd also help us out greatly by leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might be listening. And of course, we'd also love it if you tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. I'm Matt Graham. And I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Until then, happy flying!